We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Newcastle United podcast. Newcastle United 2, Everton 1. Really good day at St. James's Park for Steve Bruce and his side. And you've got myself, Alex Hurst, Charlotte Robson and Simon Campbell are bringing you this True Faith podcast as we react to to a great win and three points for the Mags. And I'm going to start us off this week by by talking about how how big I think this win is, not just because of the three points and against a, a decent side. I don't think anyone thinks they're going to stay where they are uh, in the league table this season. And pre-game, although much was made of Everton's start of the season, I think if you look at the sides that's beaten us, apart from maybe Spurs, there's no one in there you wouldn't expect them to beat. However, what was important to me is I think that second half performance was up there with the best halves of football we've seen under Steve Bruce, and it certainly gives me something to think of. You know, rather than getting lucky, rather than the keeper pulling off save after save, rather than you know the kind of performance where the opposition has twenty shots and we have one and score and, and get it that way, I thought we would genuinely deserve to win the game against a good team with a good manager. And although the first half was <laughs> You know, I don't even want to talk about the first half today. <laughs> Pretty much, it was so bad. I'm, I'm really enthused by this, and what we, what we need from this is 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 for it to be repeated. So, after the games against West Ham and Burnley this season, we're followed each up with with horror shows against Brighton and Man United, both tactically from the manager and from the players. So, if we can take this kind of form into the next game against Southampton, uh, which is Friday night, eight o'clock kickoff, in our new lockdown if you live in England. Not everyone listening would live in England, but in our brand new lockdown, it's actually for the first time in a long time, maybe since before um you know, before the season, I'm actually really looking forward to that Southampton game now, it should be a great test. Uh Sai, would you like to bring me back down to earth? <laughs> I mean, are you expecting me to be negative after a two one win at home to Everton? Yes. Yeah, look, uh there's there's a few things. I don't wanna I don't wanna bash Bruce and the team today because there's no need after what was, as you rightly said, a, a good result and a good performance. Um, against an Everton side who've been flying this season. Um, now there are there's there's some factors in play that you can't just ignore because you want to tell a different story from what we've been telling the last few weeks. So you know, without Rodriguez and um, um, who else is missing for Everton? Uh, Richarlison. They they did lack that cutting edge, and it made the game easy for us. And it also made um, the five at the back almost like overkill defensively because we just we reduced them to nothing. Really, they had a few. Um, pot shots from distance um the the other factor is that the first half as you said was still so poor um and then the 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 turning point in the game was it was another gag penalty so there's still been some strokes of luck but i don't want to dwell on it too much because this podcast should be about 
what was a much, much better Newcastle United performance. So, yes, back down to earth. We, we're, we're only 11th. And, yes, there's only two points between, like, second and, I don't know, like, 15th or something ridiculous like that when I looked at the table before. Um, but for that same reason, with this squad of players and with some real quality, like, we could be really kicking on because it's this league is, is mental this season. And I don't want to just be... There's no... It, it's a massive opportunity missed if we continue to just say that, yeah, if we're... If we're Hovering around 11th, that's all right. Like, it shouldn't be all right. We should be better than that. Yeah, I totally agree. One of the things that, that I found really positive today was the fact that someone like Ryan Fraser could come on from the bench um, and affect the game like he did. You know, he hasn't really he hasn't really shone in a black and white shirt so far. And to be fair, he's had limited, uh, you know, limited chances with, with a few cup appearances in it, like holding midfield berth against Wolves, which I won't hold that against him for his performance there. Um, so lots of positives, and we're going to get into that all that in the podcast. Maybe talk a little bit wider context, and you know, I think I think the whole Premier League at the minute. You look at Manchester United this week, and you look at their result against Arsenal before. It's like it's up and down. Everyone's like, "This is brilliant. This is shite. This is brilliant." And me, I'll say us. I was going to say us, but I'm going to say me. Um, you guys can speak for yourselves. I'm probably guilty of that a little bit. So Charlotte. Where 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 are where are you overall with this? You know, Sai talks about there being some mitigating factors today, but he doesn't want to take away from it too much. How are you feeling after today's result? Um, I feel great. <laughs> I want to um, I want to sort of bathe in this um, feeling good about it for a little bit longer before I start really, you know, um, thinking about the next fixture and thinking about how we followed performances that have been good. I thought today was really. It was a. It was the second half. Like, let's be real. We are talking about the second, like, forty-nine, fifty-one minutes or whatever it was of of that game. I th- I thought there was so much there to um get excited about for the rest of the season. Um, there's there's quite a lot of raw, um, talent that you'd hope um that you'd hope gets built on or gets sort of um exploited, but there's a drive from our players which I you know hadn't really seen you've you've seen them looking a bit confused they've seen them looking like I don't really know what I'm doing here I don't know what this formation is and then today just that last that second half just looked great and I I feel good about it and I and I just want to sort of I feel it's unusual so I just kind of want to relish it right now makes a lot of sense and that's what we're going to do on this show but uh, in terms of, I think you made a great point, and I'll bring Sion on this. You know, Charlotte Sai says that the team and the players looked far more certain of their roles, what they were doing, and, and as a result, particularly in the second half, had a real purpose about their play. I know you wanted to talk about the system that Bruce brought back last week against Everton, uh, sorry, against Wolves, and when we saw again today. What, what, what do you make of how we're starting to set up with those three centre-backs again? Yeah, look, I mean, we've lamented this this excuse of it's the only way they know how to play. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't make sense. It's it's stupid. However, what we do know is that Cher, Lascelles, uh, and Fernandez do know how to play this. I'm not saying they don't know how to play other ways, but they know this system. They know how to play it, and they know how as a three to make it really really hard for teams. And they did that today perfectly. And I think. I think where we got our confidence from the second half was the fact that they hadn't threatened us at all by like 60 minutes. And by the time we scored, the the, the back five, I'm going to say, had had kept them completely quiet. And we realized, actually, they're not really doing much. Let's try and have a bit of a go. And we finally did. So I think it, it started at the back. It started with a much more solid performance. And whilst there are games when we should play five at the back and there are games when we shouldn't, in my opinion, this didn't necessarily have to be one of those games, but it was good to see at least a formation that the team 
we're comfortable in because, like I say, the, the three players have done it for a while now uh, and they know what they're doing. Um, like I said at the start, I think there was a little bit overkill for, for what Everton had to offer in the end, but that's that that's how we won the game. We basically made it impossible for them to score and then took our chances, and that's how this formation should work. It's um, First half, it wasn't working because, the, the well, I, I want to say wing-backs in the first half, they were just full-backs. We had a flat-back five, and yes, we kept them out, but basically... We, we reduced the game to a 45-minute football match by doing that because there was just nothing in the first half. And there's nothing wrong with that against against good teams. And I guess Everton have been a good a good side with an excellent manager, so we respected them and, and killed off the first half. But what changed in the second half for me, and it, it, it was sparked by a bit of fortune, <laughs> in my opinion. You know, the, the penalty was just so unnecessary for them to give away from a from a corner that was going to nobody. Uh, you know, just to go through him and, and to give the foul away was, was, was brilliant for us. But... Um, after that, we reacted totally differently to the way we reacted to scoring against Man U. We reacted positively. We thought, well, we've got a goal here. They're not doing out. Let's like look a bit more confident and, and open up this game. And from that point on, Murphy and and, and to fair a little bit before that in the, in the second half, Murphy and um, Lewis were actually playing as wing backs, which is what you absolutely need to be able to do to make that formation work. And they were up and down the pitch. Um, and that, that that's that's how we won this game i'm gonna um just jump in on your point there um simon that i was gonna call you simon there Sai. both both are fine (laughs) yeah i know but i never do um that the penalty was so unnecessary for them to give away i don't think that um i'm gonna flip that on its head a bit because um i think that penalty was was clever from callum wilson and if you've seen his post-match comments he said you know i could see where his leg was going and i got in there on purpose because i was hoping i would get kicked i think that's a really really um uh, just like what we need from from our from our striker from from anybody playing forward for us that kind of intelligence in the game to be like actually i might get something here um i'm just gonna go for it and see and it it worked out so it was it was unnecessary of them to give away but i think there was a lot more thought into it from our side and i and i and i think i think more credit needs to be given to callum wilson for um for, for getting it yeah, I'll actually, I agree with you there because, I mean, uh, Alex and I have cried out for years that we are not very good at, at nicking fouls, at getting getting those little fouls in the box and, and making defenders make mistakes like that. So you're right, you're right. Wilson is good at that and it's really, really refreshing to see. I think the only other player in the squad that is capable of doing that is Dwight Gale and he never plays. So, um, mm. yeah, it's it's that is really encouraging. You're right. And that's why we've, we've, we're getting penalties this season because we've got players who can get into the box and cause problems between you know, Wilson, um, ASM and, and Miggy. So you're right. There's a reason we're starting to get more penalties, but still it was, it was nicely timed. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, I'm happy with that. (laughs) Yeah. And there's a few things that, you know, we're talking about a load of positive things here. And I think, you know, Charlotte wants to eulogize about the next true faith. (laughs) Wilson. I want to talk a little bit more about the tactics. So who knows where we'll go. But what I want to say first is um, Mark Corby very kindly, uh, sent me a pre or us a, a pre-show stat and Newcastle United in the last six games have picked up as many Premier League penalties as in their last 76 Premier League games. We have never got penalties. As, as long as I've been supporting the team as an adult, we just don't get penalties in the Premier League. Like It's it's incredible. Um, so that's a welcome, a welcome change. And if you look at their, you know, you look at people say and you kind of get this discussion, oh, was it a penalty? Was it, was it harsh? Was it, I don't care. Don't care. Like as long as we get the penalty, it could be as like laughable as you want. 
and I'm still going to take it. Yeah, so, and after years of absolute blatant stonewall penalties not being given, right. I don't care, you're right. Dwight Gale in 2017 used to get like regularly assaulted to the extent the police would have been interested and not get a pen. Games <laughs> against Oakland Man United 17-18 where it was just like, what, like wow. I remember going to Everton, um, speaking of Everton, going to Everton back in 2010 under Hooten when Bonafa scored. And if you watch the highlights of that game, um, Leighton Baines, I think, like clips Kevin Nolan is about to tap the ball and win an empty net. It's a red, it's a red card and a penalty. And Howard Webb played on. So like, we have got our fair share of we're due our fair share of joke penalties. But yeah, I, I think um, it's a harsh one, isn't it? Because if if it's given against you, you're kicking off. But also, just how stupid's the player? The, yeah. the Everton lad, yeah. just, just like it's a shit pen, a shit pen, it's a shit corner, going nowhere, like. Like as if as if we managed to procure a penalty out of a flat near post corner that was going to be cleared by <laughs> that, that's the real genius here um, of Colin Wilson who we'll get onto. What I want to do is go back quickly to what you were saying, Si, about the back three. I think you hit the nail on the head. You know, I agree with you that um, the three lads, and I think in particular, reading between the lines here, I think Jamal Lascelles is a huge fan of playing in in that kind of back yeah. three or back five whatever you call it, you know, there was that supposed fallout with Rafa when he was asked to play on the right side of the back three. Like, if he's going to kick off that much about, like, not playing, like, along the back three in what position, he probably doesn't want that to not be a back three. If he wants two centre-backs either side of me, it's a little bit rich and a little bit grand, isn't it, to say I need two players either side of me. But we'll let him off because he had a really good game today. Um, I don't think it's as much about the centre-backs, this formation. I think the centre-backs are probably, like, the least important part, I think, if we were the kind of team that played a higher line or were consistently being beaten in behind or the centre-backs were being consistently um, you know, beaten or, or dribbled around, then it would be more about the centre-backs. I think it's about the, the middle of the pitch. And you saw last week against Wolves and a little bit again today, I think that the issue that the, the, that the manager and his coaching staff Realise against Manchester United, it wasn't just the volume of shots that Manchester United and Spurs and Newport had against her. It was the fact that those shots were coming from inside of the penalty area and, and other teams by getting men ahead of the ball and men at the box, which just had so much time and space. You look at that Man United game and what Bruno Fernandes scored, but he, he could have had three or four. He had that much time and space. And going back to it, to three centre-backs, but then also saying to the, to the midfielders in front, Right, you know, John Joe Shelby and Isaac Hayden, we need you to kind of cover all of the ground in front of you um, and also get back and also attack. You saw it a day with, with Longstaff and, and in particular Hendrick. Um, you know, Hendrick just, just doesn't do anything offensively, does he? And I thought he's he's kind of dreadful in that respect. But what he does do is get, get himself in the way, get the odd foot and makes tackles, makes headers. Like, every, like, like Charlotte said earlier, everyone just seems to know how it works. And I think... Like you said, Sai, the longer the game went on, the further those fullbacks pushed up. And, and in fact, you see late on in the game when Jamal Lewis plays that ball for Ryan Fraser for the second goal, that's like the 86th minute. And, and he's he's got the ball like near the halfway line, miles ahead of his centre-backs. So I think the five at the back, as much as we've lamented it, listen, it doesn't matter whether it's five at the back, four at the back, three at the back. The mindset of the team isn't particularly dictated by the number of centre-backs that you play. How many men you get ahead of the ball, how many forward passes you play through the lines isn't dictated by the number of centre-backs. It's a mindset and, it, and it's more positional um, in terms of you know positions on the pitch, where the players stand, what the players start on positions, than necessarily having a back four or a back five or a back three. What you saw in the second half was 
players ahead of the ball and 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 people getting close to Callum Wilson. I think you saw that, like you say, Si, that excellent response to the first goal. I mean, the football were played where Sean Longstaff should score and the goalkeeper touches it onto the bar. That's what we're capable of when we get our attacking players in the opposition penalty area. So whether you play a back four or a back five, it, it, it's kind of more than that. But but like you also said correctly, Si, it was about staying in the game and it reminds me very much of what we were like under Rafa, where first half of games were pretty boring and we didn't really kick into life until the second half and it was kind of staying in the game and getting a nil-nil on like 45, then 60. You know, I thought that was very much the game plan today and that has its limitations and its drawbacks. And if, you know, it's, it's a little bit newly promoted side, but, but got it work today. Um, and I think one of the main reasons that we can play this back three or back five, you know what, I'm just going to call it a back five. I think, well, can we agree on the True Faith podcast to call it a back five? Because I'm, you know, tearing myself apart here, trying not to get it wrong. Yeah, it's 5-3-2. Playing... That's the formation. Yeah. We can get away with it, just like Rafa built that team because of the centre-forward and because we didn't have that last season um, in, in Callum Wilson and Charlotte. I know you want to talk about his performance, but I think he makes this reversion possible and the reason it's been successful to date, four points from two games, is, is solely down to him almost, Charlotte. What's your take on, on that, man? Yeah, I mean, I, I can't disagree with you. I think that he has elevated our team um, in so many ways. Um, we were crying out for a striker. We were crying out for somebody who actually knows how to play that position with Premier League experience. Um, and and he has it and he's brought it. And it's just, it's it, like I said before about, about getting the penalty, that's an intelligent move. Like, it's a why not? Let's see what we can get. Um, I think I think he's a really smart player. He knows where the cameras are. <laughs> he knows where he knows his best side. He knows, um, you know, he he like he you know he 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 uh, plays off other players really well. Players try to get in his head. He said so at the, in his post match comments as well. Other players trying to get in his head. I think Gomez was the one who gave away his the penalty to him, and then um, was it Delph was trying to get into his head as well as share. And he just was like, "Yeah, be quiet. Like, I'll hush you up." Um, and I just, I think he's, I think he's really good. I follow, I still follow a couple of um, Bournemouth fans on um, on Twitter because we've had like we've had them on the podcast before and things like that when we've played Bournemouth. Um, and one of them said uh, today, he's still annoyed that he was watching Ryan Fraser and Callum Wilson play with the drive and application that they hardly got a sniff of last season, and. Um, and that that they should have stayed up if they'd played with that drive, but but I mean that is that is those are the words, aren't they? This sort of drive and application, this real want to to score goals and to and you know he's he's sort of I think Callum Wilson has an eye on on what Gareth Southgate is is doing. He, he said so himself, but um, with England, but um, you know he he really wants to score goals and um, and I, I just I think he's really changed changed the side for the better. I think he's. Great. And he's going to be our cover star. Yes, he is. New issue of True Faith out in the next week, hopefully. Um, yeah, can't disagree uh, with anything you've said. Have to admit, Charlotte, I haven't paid as much attention to his to his uh, his detail to the camera. It's just I just it's just um academic. I'm just checking checking on, on, on all our players. It's nothing to do with <laughs> with him. Yep, fair enough. <laughs> I think you know you look at you look at someone like Callum Wilson, and one of the promising thing or pleasing things about him is that yes, he is in a team that does not create chances. Yet he has six goals from seven games, and that that is a remarkable statistic. 
you know, he has um, the goal tally that Joe Linton would probably reach by season 26, 27. <laughs> so it's, it's just so promising. And like, you know, I mean, he, he, he will get, barring some kind of freak injury, he will get 10 goals this season. And I'd hope he gets 15. And with him in the team, you kind of get uh, this sense of, you know, one, one chance and, and you've got a chance of scoring and you've got a chance of, of getting in there. Charlotte, you want to make another point? Yes, yeah, sorry. I, I also wanted to say not only is this he this clinical finisher that we were looking for um, all of last season, um, it's also worth pointing out, although um, Sean Longstaff didn't actually score um, the goal that he, he tried to um, try to today, um, he was only able to do that because Wilson pass, passed him the ball. Like he's, he's in the right place at the right time and he also serves as other, as other players. I think he's just such an intelligent player. Yeah, he's got a good understanding of his teammates quite clearly that there was a lot of gelling today. Uh, yeah, you've, you've kind of took the words out of my mouth, Dodzy. Um, in terms of what uh, we're getting from Wilson right now is if we're going to be that team that gets a maximum of four shots on target at home to Everton or anyone else, um, then you need someone who's going to put chances away and he's absolutely doing that. So um, again, it goes back to if we're going to play this kind of contained football, which is fine on days like this, you need someone like Wilson to be to be playing the way he is and, and taking his chances and, and it, you'll get away with it time and time again if, if we do that. So that's that's exactly what Callum Wilson does. That I would I would even say that, that Rondon wouldn't. So Rondon was never going to score as many goals as Callum Wilson could is projected to score this season because he's an absolute poacher. He knows exactly what he's doing and he's that that's what he offers. I mean, Rondon offered a load of other stuff as a target man, etc. But Wilson is an absolute goal scorer, which we've not had in, in years. Yes, and I also think that Yes, he isn't the target man that Solomon Rondon is, but he gets pretty close. You know, he you rarely see him get out muscled. He won three or four brilliant headers where no one ran beyond him. And I think we'll, we'll come on to that in a little bit about why that was. Um, you know, stick stick Craig Bellamy next to uh, Callum Wilson. I think he does become that target man because he's so isolated, but he does so well to to, to hold the ball up. He's, he's you know he's, he was playing against um, Yerimina today. He was a you know really really physical and and, and generally excellent centre back. And he had the better of him, and that's why you saw Mina, you know, trying mind games and stuff like that, which which Wilson took really well and took him stride in the post match interview. Um, yeah, the the other thing about Wilson, I would say, is that he he just oozes confidence, which um, you know, a sign of a player with confidence, I guess. Charlotte is knowing exactly where the cameras are because he's expecting to score. So yeah. there's definitely <laughs> that, and and um, we've had confidence players in the past. Uh, Perez springs to mind, but. Wilson doesn't seem to be phased at all. He, you know, when we're playing badly, he's still there. He's still sniffing about for chances. He doesn't seem to have a bad game. He just he's he's always sure of himself, which is really really important. Again, when we're shit a lot of the time, so it's it's it's, it's reassuring <laughs> that we've got a player in Wilson who's believes in himself and will always be there, like trying to trying to get on the end of chances. I think that's got to be a good thing as well for the rest of the players, right? That that you would hope that that's going to seep in or at least elevate the rest of the players who might not, you know, who might think, oh, we're shit, so whatever. I mean, to see a player still grafting and, like, working hard like him, you know, that I, I would hope that that impacts them as well. Yeah, definitely. Charlotte, you alluded to Sean Longstaff there. Uh, how did you rate his performance today? Oh, my God, it was like the Sean Longstaff of old. I thought he was really good today. Um, I think we, we talked about it in our WhatsApp group. And, you know, Chris said, you know, compared to his old performances, he's really good. As in, um, 
as in his last season because obviously he had this amazing first season um and then and then last season he became a little bit anonymous and then he had his injury this is the first time i've seen him back since his injury where i would say that's like Sean Long stuff he's he's sort of hungry for it he's 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 everywhere he worked really hard today he still wants to attack he really wants to make an impact on the game and that really came across today um I don't even think you need to sort of recalibrate it as compared to his recent performances I think if you go back and look at how he played um two seasons ago um uh that that this is the sort of Sean Longstaff that you want to see on the pitch I thought it was really really good today so do you think with with Longstaff um the fact that again going back to the formation where he did his best work under Rafa do you think had that that had had much to do with it or do you think you you know this is a player who's been played out of position he's been playing in a bad team he's a young player he's hardly played it you know he's, he's very inexperienced at the highest level compared to many of his teammates do you think fans have been a, a bit quick to write him off in terms of performances under Steve Bruce um, it's an absolute conundrum, isn't it? Because I, I still can't explain it. I have no idea why Longstaff has been a totally different person for, for 18 months. I mean, we don't know exactly what's going on fitness-wise. He has had a few injuries and he was sick last week. And, you know, um, there's there's lots of factors at play. And yes, um, he kind of, he was just coming on the scene with, with Benitez and a change of manager for a young player. It probably, probably has quite a big impact on, on your development. You know, total change of coaching, total change of setup. Um, loads of days off, which he never had before. Um, it's, it's. I, I thought he was good today. I don't think he was quite at the at the heights that where he was literally like running the show. Um, when he was, mm. you know, in that peak bit of form with him and Hayden, um, in eighteen nineteen. But, uh, yeah, it was it was nice to see him back playing well. I think he was afforded a bit of luxury by the way Everton set up. I think they were um quite they were quite. They were, they were getting men forward and it, it left him with space whenever he got the ball. And, and we've seen Sean Longstaff with a bit of space. He puts his foot on the ball and he finds the right pass um, and he covers a lot of ground. Um, but yeah, I, my preference, and I know what you're saying about Hayden, uh, about Hendrick, he, he played all right and he, he he's busy, but why, why, is, why is Hayden not getting a game ahead of Hendrick? I think Hayden and Longstaff is our strongest centre midfield pairing and I'm excited to see that when, when Longstaff's back looking like he was. Yeah, I can't argue with that. I I, I wonder, <clears throat> excuse me, why Hayden wasn't starting or at least, you know, I don't know. I don't understand that choice either. Um, but I think as Alex said in his, just to your point there about um, he had loads of space and he was able to sort of show us what he can do, Sean Longstaff today. I, I think as Alex pointed out in his match report on the website, um, you can only play what's in front of you. And, and if that is there and it's his for the taking then I mean credit to him for just going for it I, I think I think that's that's got to help his confidence over the, if he's picked for the next game which I think he should be that's got to help his confidence to have to have been afforded that opportunity and to sort of get back into his skin a little bit and be like oh yeah actually I remember this <laughs> I can do this yeah no I, I agree and, and and the good you know if he got that goal to make a 2-0 that would have been lovely for him I think he he needs a run in the team. I know that's easier said than done. Um, like we say, like I alluded to, you know, last year he came back into a struggling team under Steve Bruce. Coming back from his injury, you know, he played a couple of games towards the end of the season where he he played number ten. So, like, I mean, he is a he's a versatile player. 
Um, but he really doesn't at his at, the, at his stage of his career. He really needs to find a role and to play lots of games. I mean, Steve Bruce just seems desperate to play Jeff Hendrick. Like, um, <laughs> you know, I think Hendrick has had a really mixed career at Newcastle so far. Great start, great goal against West Ham. Since then, there's been very little to get excited about. Like I said before, I thought he did the defensive work today really well. I thought he did the dirty work really well today. Um, he's kind of your man for that, but I, but like Charlotte said, Isaac Hayden also does that work. So that was a really strange one. So yeah, I'd probably play Hayden next week. I find it really strange that Hayden seems to have been dropped um, because he's been on the bench two weeks in a row. Um, and I don't know if he came on against Wolves, but he came on today for a fair bit of the game. Um, speaking of players who were dropped, Charlotte Jordan Pickford hmm. didn't have the chance to have his customary meltdown at St. James's Park. What did you make of that? Well, he did a little bit because he managed to have a little angry clap at our our penalty goal. Uh, what did I make of that? Well, I was I was surprised and I saw on um, the Athletics News like blast thing today that this is the first Premier League game that Pickford hasn't started for Everton in 120 and uh Ancelotti was just like yeah I just wanted to rest him it's like no you didn't no you didn't he gets too he gets in his head about this this fixture um and 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 it is hilarious to me that firstly loads of the pundits on telly Helen Hardy pointed this out on Twitter loads of the pundits on telly were like all right so he's just having a rest it's like that's mental. Like you can't possibly believe that. Is is so he gets so het up about this fixture that even when fans aren't in the stadium, he can't be played. That's how that's how bad he is and how much he loses it. So um sorry sorry to him, but I, I just think it's uh yeah, I was really pleased when we scored and it, the camera went straight to him and his little hands were so angry clapping together. Uh yeah, he was obviously not happy to be dropped, but um that's exactly the reason why he was dropped, I imagine. Yeah, and it's it's like one of those weird the thick of it, if anyone's watched that, you know, where Ancelotti's been speaking to the press officer before the game, so so you've dropped Jordan and he's like, Yeah, he's been shite, fucking hell. So pleased to bring this lad. He's like, oh, don't say that though, because it just looks really bad. All right, so what am I supposed to say? Just say you're resting him. <laughs> <laughs> but he plays in goal. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, but just just say that, you know, we'll win the game. No one will care. It'll be fine. And now they got beat. It looks really bad. And and as Adam from True Faith said uh, in our WhatsApp group, it was just it was just nice to see that both of his hands can actually clap together. You know, a T Rex can't clap, can it? But I, I probably think that there's some things happen through the week. Like he's coming to training every day, telling all the lads, right, this is the big one. We're playing Newcastle. We'll have to beat them. We're gonna beat them. And like Carl Ancelotti's like, Jordan, calm down. It's another game. <laughs> We're gonna win, don't worry. And like on like Tuesday or something, he's brought in like a life size Celes Ferdinand cardboard cutout and it's like smashing the baseball bat. And Carla's like, right, one more, one more of these, Jordan, and uh, and, and I'm gonna drop you. And like Thursday comes in, and he's brought he's brought the Mackham like six in a row DVD. He's got an in the room. He's like, right, that's it, you're dropped. Um, because it does like imagine spending thirty million quid in a goalkeeper, and then 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 dropping them. Um, that's that's not a great position to be in. And if you you know if you look at the the performances of Carl Dollar this season and Jordan Pickford, I'd know who I wanted in my team, Si. Yeah. I've got visions of him turning to training on the Friday, where he's nicked all the footies and he spelled out FTM on the on the uh, on the box, 
Um, yeah, the only other thing on Pickford I was going to say is that the uh, the long stuff chance we've been talking about, um, a goalkeeper with such small arms would not have made that save. So it was a really <laughs> really shrewd decision from uh, Ancelotti. And yeah, I, it's it's a really brave one that only a good manager like Ancelotti would would make. Yeah, yeah. Um, best by Steve Bruce today though. Um, <laughs> what I want to do Steve now? Bruce read his uh, read his biography. He knew Did he? he was gonna read it as well. It's really good. Well, Steve Bruce specifically mentioned it in his press conference on Friday. He was like, "Yeah, he's a great manager. I've read his book. I'm uh, <laughs> I'm prepared." <laughs> Carlo was probably like, you "Should just give us a ring, Steve. I've taught you. <laughs> You'll take the royalties, though. You'll take those royalties." Oh, yeah. uh, in addition. Uh, one of the things that Steve Bruce talked about on Friday was keyboard worries. I probably should start tuning into these press conferences if they're going to be that. You like, could just broad. tune into my YouTube show. I always discuss it. Yes, I know you do. Um, well, I was I was more talking to get to get the full range, but okay. That you know, <laughs> Charlotte. What's the show called, Charlotte? I don't want to get this wrong and upset you again. True Faith presents the Charlotte Show every Friday live on YouTube. You can speak. <laughs> plus a guest get your questions in during the show it's live it's interactive it's the highlight of my week mm. um one of the things i wanted to talk about was uh the role of alan saint maximin in this formation because it does my head in that our best player and maybe one of the best wingers in the premier league is moved into a number 10 position where it completely negates him for much of the game he sees far less of the ball and it, you know, I think he's played in this role against Liverpool and Brighton at the end of last season. He hardly got a kick, uh, and against Wolves and Everton today. Mm-hmm. Do either of you two want to make a case for this? Do you think, you know, what what do you think the the reason is for this change in role for him? Is it, is it down to the overall formation, or is it down to something else? I don't know who wants to go. Um. I think that it is a little bit down to the uh, the, the mentality of um, needing to get people behind the ball uh, when, we, when we don't have it. And you know that Almiron, if you're going to play a front three, you're almost asking Almiron and uh, ASM to do the same amount of work. Uh, but I think he knows that you'll get much more graft out of Almiron. So he's the one that's chosen to play the kind of... He's part of the midfield and Maximan's part of the front two, when re- realistically he's somewhere in between. And... Uh, uh, I, I, I think that's what you're trying to say is that I don't think it worked at all and it, it's the second week it hasn't worked. Um, Maximan can't play that number 10. Well, maybe he can, but he, he certainly hasn't shown it so far. Um, he obviously believes in himself. He wants to wants to prove himself there. But what what I find baffling about this is that there's a, there's an obvious obvious front three there and Maximan's brilliant coming in from the outside, as is Almiron, and there's a front three there that could really work. And, you know, we always hark back to the, the 18-19 season where... The five-two-three formation was really starting to work. It was, you know, we had Longstaff and and Hayden, um, you know, patrolling the midfield, which was enough. It was enough to let the front three um, have a bit of freedom. And yes, we we've been waiting for a while to replace the the Rondon Perez Almiron threesome, but we've got three players who can do that now. And I don't see why we're not trying to utilize that. And we've both both wing-backs now looking like comfortable in that position, it's a perfect time to really try and make this formation work. So it, it, it baffles me that you're going to waste our best player in that kind of no-man's-land position where he found himself again today. And we won that game in spite of Maximan today, in my opinion. Yeah, I think um, I think, I think think he was more impactful in that position today than he was against Wolves. But that's not to say 
much because I don't think he was impactful at all against Wolves. I, I just, I think that position, and I said it to Alex, I think that position anonymizes him. Um, he, he attracts so much more, um, so so many more like fouls and, and stuff when he plays out wider and, and, and nips the ball in. I think... I think it's he's really important. That channel's really important for us that he plays in when he when he does when he does play out wider. And and I just I can't really understand why it is that he's playing behind the striker in the way that he is at the moment. Um I think well, Alex, you've you've suggested it's because he's requested it. I, I, I mean, maybe maybe that's for you to go into, but I can't work it out. Like I think he's he's so talented and, and he's he's so quick on the ball. Um, but he's but he's lost where he is when he's playing in that more mid midfield role. It's also just easier to defend against him, isn't it? Because number one, he's picking the ball up with his back to goal more. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's in, in, not in any one-on-one situations or even two-on-one situations, and you saw that today a couple of times, just completely crowded out, and it get it, it kind of gets to the stage where, like Sai says, I'd much rather see us play a five-four-one out of possession with Almiron and St. Maximan on both wings, and then able to get alongside Wilson to make it into a five-two-three or a three-four-three if your fullbacks are going to push up. But it just seems so bizarre. It's like it, it's so ineffectual that. I mean, you know, he, he did he did have that chance in the first half, thanks to Wilson running through the middle. Um, he did some good work out right, but anything else good in the game he did was out wide. So it was a real strange one to play. And I, I genuinely, for the first time in my life, would rather have had Joe Linton playing in that number ten position. I never thought I'd say that um, because it just it just doesn't work. Or play another genuine striker. And I'm not for one second suggesting St. Maximin should be dropped. He's our best player alongside Wilson. Um, and, and I think it, there's, there's probably a few answers to my question. Number one, you wanted Almiron in there um, to support the midfield too. And to be fair to Almiron, I thought he was sensational today. Um, his ability, his defensive work, his running on the ball, his running off the ball was was fantastic. And, you know, I think I just, I still find it baffling that he hasn't started every game for Newcastle this season. Um, but then, you know, you could still play Almiron in that role and just put, St. Maximin on the other other side, so you know the, there's there's kind of a balance there. But you know I'm not I'm trying to be too negative because it was a good performance, a good win today. It's just frustrating that that our best player seems to be moved out of position um, when also, when all of the evidence points to 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 him being far less effective. There. Like that's what the opponent wants. Sorry, I put in a little bit there. I think he's also when he plays that wider position. I know it's not the key thing here, but so entertaining to watch. I don't find him nearly as entertaining when he's plays in the position he was in today. No, I agree completely. I agree completely. But you know, let's see the next game, and we'll have a a full preview of the Southampton game on on our Patreon this week, which is available to everybody for about two pounds a week for four to five extra Newcastle United shows this week. This week, sigh as a heads up, it's uh, it's Andy Griffin's turn on the pro view. On our professional review show, we switch between Andy Griffin and Keith Gillespie, so you can join Sai for that this week if you are a patron. Um, I think that just about does it for today. We've covered all of the the key areas. You know, I thought both fullbacks were good as well. I thought Jacob Murphy didn't have the attacking impact he did last week, but defended very well. Um, and Jamal Lewis grew into the game as it went on and, and put a great ball in for for Ryan Fraser. Um, so Sai Charlotte, thanks very much. Thanks to everybody. Uh, for listening to the True Faith podcast. It's been a pleasure to record this week after a good win. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.